Dobie in this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the Pro Wrestling Edition. As you hit, we hit you with that hard truth about what's good and what ain't with a blunt, violent delivery that can only be underwritten by the performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear, ready to usher you into hell, if you will, as we set the stage for Sunday's WWE pay-per-view, Hell in a Cell, and recap the week that was in sports entertainment. I am all right, Joey. All right. We're not going down that road again. Look, listeners, I know some of you, you're drinking that WWE juice so much, you want to hear good thoughts. So your boy BC trying his best to keep a good smile going as we await the next stop on the Revolution Tour and really hope for the best week to week from WWE. Although I got to be honest, this week I there was more good than bad. So maybe we're going in a good direction. Wasn't quite steak. Maybe more like beef jerky. But it did the trick. And whether or not WWE mails it in on a given basis, listeners, you know the ITC is coming for you with a great show regardless with that perfect package, if you will, of analysis and humor that you can't wait to get your hands on. I know what you've got in your pants. And I want it. Oh, come on. Come on, man. Come on, brother. Just whip it out and give it to me. Oh, that's just, that's just, that's, it's funny, but it's just inappropriate. Either you reach into your pants, you whip it out, and you place it in my hand. Ah, This is network TV. So help me. I'll reach into your pants, I'll whip it out, and I'll stick it in your dick. All right, all right, all right, all right, right. enough of the absurdities already. Let's get down to business, and speaking of business, Business has been good for the ITC of late, whether you're talking about the Pro Wrestling Show, Monday's Boxing Edition with Rafe Bartholomew, or Tuesday-ish, the MMA with the great King Mo. Please continue to spread the word. Do your part in this audio tour, this audio war, this audio revolution by giving us that five-star review. It's all about it always has been and it always will be some of you have taken that step and we thank you kindly for your kind words let's keep this show moving forward the less you reach out and do that the longer these intros are going to get and that's gonna fire up my co-host on purpose that's gonna fire him up let me welcome him in say hello to the bad guy No longer from Russia. I'm not sure he really ever had any love either, but he's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey, now, uh, do you want to read the Odyssey before you introduce me next time? Oh, wow, wow, wow. Imagine that. Imagine a guy with his own name on the marquee giving an intro to start a show. That's that's foreign uh, concepts I mean, here. God forbid we actually talk about the subject people want to hear. But, you know, I do want to actually delay that because I'm not on the boxing edition of ITC, which most weeks I'm fine with. I'm a little jealous because this week, Triple G versus Canelo. I listened to the episode already. Fantastic episode with Rafe. Give our WWE listeners a taste of your thoughts on that fight. Wow. Wow. Uh, it's, it's very tasty. Look, it's the rematch, of course, from last September. The biggest pay-per-view of the year. It delivered with action. Middleweight championship. Two top five pound-for-pound guys. But everybody knows of the controversy that came out of that fight it was scored a draw when everyone thought Triple G had won. Then you had Canelo failing the drug test. Then you had this nice guy, Triple G, right? Good boy, I respect box. 
basically turn heel, if you will. I mean, Canelo's the heel in this pro wrestling rivalry, but but basically Triple G went like straight face cyborg Kazakhstan Russian military upbringing, and is like, I'm gonna make this guy pay, and it's setting the stage for Saturday when they do it again. And look, if you're a Triple G fan. He's been waiting. He's 36 now. He's been waiting his whole career for this chance to be against an A-level fighter in his prime and really put that stamp on his career. If he wins, he breaks the middleweight title record defense with 21, breaking Bernard Hopkins' record. Uh, Canelo's this big-time villain now. There's a lot of juice in this rivalry. We just hope that the juice is not inside of Canelo's veins right now. We hope he's not listening to that performance-enhancing audio, and I can't wait to be there in Las Vegas on Saturday because, Adam, a lot of people that are part-time boxing fans have lived the Mayweather era, and they got all excited for another big fight. And then they paid to watch 12 rounds of Mayweather disarming and diffusing and avoiding. These are two guys that are going to have to trade. They're going to have to bang. I love when people bang. Well, especially after we get the BS uh, split decision, obviously, in the first fight. And, you know, if anyone wants to question if all combat sports are pro wrestling, all you need to know is that this build-up to this match, this fight, involves a failed drug test for tainted meat. In Mexico, and you talk about Canelo turning heel. That's exactly how I feel about it. Um, everything's pro wrestling. UFC is turning into pro wrestling. Boxing always was a little bit, especially back in the day, more so with Ali and stuff. But now it's starting to turn back that way. And I know a lot of people are going to be focused on the heavyweight championship fight this year. But for me, this is the fight of the year until we eventually get Joshua Wilder, hopefully at some point in 2019. Yeah, you're damn right. Or we get Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury later this year in November. We're looking at it. Things are looking up. Adam, before we get into the main event, before we get into the meet this week, I always like to be honest with our listeners. I am, uh, I've, been, I've been pretty busy lately. I haven't touched this May Young Classic one time, one second. It didn't figure into our rundown this week. I've seen my good guy, Tim Fiorvanti of ESPN, going nuts tweeting about it, saying there was one specific match that was amazing. I haven't seen a damn thing. Can you comment on this, or can we just pat, keep on moving forward, and hopefully we'll catch up when we have time? Well, the first thing I want to comment on, and you're guilty of this too, is, look, we are now in football season, so, and this goes into what Tim, Tim just tweets live about wrestling all the time. God forbid you follow Tim, and I like Tim, I met him at WrestleMania, really nice guy, I think we had a couple beers, right? Good time. Oh, yeah. But there are a lot of people who do not watch wrestling live. Please stop live tweeting wrestling if you're not a fan. If you're a journalist and you want to link off to something and give the spoilers there, that's fine. But don't spoil the shows for me. I, I accuse you of doing it Dude, sometimes. When you're that, that's such a it's such a that's not a what you just said is not two. No one watches the NFL. No one watches the NFL on DVR. All right, nineteen ninety five. Adam Silverstein here. People, Dude, it's live. People are going to tweet live. During football season, during football season, people watch Monday Night Football and they watch wrestling later. It's just how it is. So. I had to get that out because I wanted to criticize you that's live on so, and you're That's so <laughs> lame of you, by the way. That's like, hey, it's NBC not. Olympics, I, uh, don't, don't, send, don't tell us who's going to win, even though you're not broadcasting the Olympics for another 12 hours that's because of the time sports delay. that people watch live, like football. P WWE is a TV. We talk about no, it being sports you entertainment. Can't, you can't play it's that TV card. Show. We're treating it like a sport right now by doing this podcast, so you can't pull the card right. of like, well, it's a TV show, so people should respect. On Monday nights during football Look, season, you it gotta, becomes a TV show. you got to do does. your priority. Uh, my priority has to be raw because of my job. Your priority apparently can't be raw because of your job. But uh, What is the main priority, Brian? The main priority in the uh, apple pie windy Indian strap match, of course. The main priority is is to get the body in the proper position for the strapation dudes. Oh wow! Did you see Hogan, by the way, telling uh, 
saying the NWO would murder the Shield. Like uh, this is where I say, Terry, stop, just stop, bro, just stop. All right, we got it. We got. I mean, move but on. they would. They had like seventeen thousand more people than the Shield did. But to answer your question, yeah. I did watch the first episode of the May Young Classic. We won't get into details. Maybe next week you'll catch up on two. I'll have watched the second one at that point. It is so much better than last year. Oh, really? I'll take the that. The matches a... were better. The presentation was better. Everything about it was better. And that is coming from someone who loved the Cruiserweight Classic and was really disappointed by the first version of the Mae Young Classic. I think the wrestlers are better. I think the, the storytelling and the explanation is better. I like a lot Michael Cole on commentary, which I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Um, it's very good. Totally worth the watch. Everyone needs to start watching it. If you haven't already, they're doing one episode a week on WWE Network, and that's part of the reason it's better, too. They're treating it like a weekly show as opposed to just force-feeding you eight episodes at a time and expecting you to watch them through. Now I know I have NXT, and then I have Mae Young Classic on Wednesdays. It's great. Yeah, so everybody out there, don't tweet spoilers or, or, the, or the Silver King will get all fired up. Anyway, it's time to get into the meat of what this week was, and that always begins, of course, with the main event. This is the main event! So we're going to save a lot of what actually went down on Raw and SmackDown this week for our Hell in a Cell preview. I think we failed to mention that off the top. Hell in a Cell is Sunday, by the way. Well, Everybody, if you, if you heard my intro, you would have you, you heard I it. I fall asleep during your intro. You would have heard seven that minutes. I, that I get I a actually, nap in before I actually did, because that's the point of the intro, to tell people what's going to be on the show. But that's, that's all right. That's all right. Keep going. And it puts me to sleep. Um, but we're going to get to that later in the show. We have you know the Shield, Braun Strowman, all that type of stuff. Let's talk a little Super Showdown, I guess, because we had Triple H coming back again, second time in three weeks. Maybe third time in six weeks. I don't know if that's correct, but definitely second time in three weeks to respond to The Undertaker's response to Triple H with HBK and blah, blah, blah. Here's my question for you coming out of this main event here or starting off this main event, I should say. Is this are we getting too much? Is WWE giving us too much with the old timers? And is it detracting away from what else they are doing with their storylines, primarily on Raw? I'd say no, because they're doing old-timer versus old-timer in this specific match, and we know what it is. It's all about money. It's all about getting tickets sold in Australia. I am surprised at how much they're specifically doing and giving time to this feud. I mean, they're they're doing a lot more than they did even for, for the Legends matches in Saudi. Even, you could argue, they're doing even more intensity than the Undertaker-Cena build, although that, that was consistent from week to week. Um, the other legend coming back, it seems, you know, is, is Mick Foley, which I think he's playing a specific role on the 20th anniversary of Hell in a Cell for that main event, so I'm fine with that. Other legends are more female-related because of the Evolution pay-per-view, so I don't look at it as a trend as much as a current coincidence for this moment. But specific to this Triple H Undertaker feud, and by the way, before I move forward, just to correct me because I'm not well-researched at the moment, did HBK reveal he'll be guest referee? I thought I read that. You wrote it down here, but I didn't think that was the case. You keep talking. I'm going to look it up while, while we're doing all this. Right, all right. So they're taking us on an emotional ride here the last few weeks. In the beginning, I was ready to crap on it, being like, I don't care about Triple H Taker because, guys, honest, in 2018, I don't care about Triple H Taker. Obviously, you heard us last week. That Taker HBK back and forth was well-written. It was really good. It brought me back in to not only expect a very interesting match, because coming in, Adam, we expected it would be like Saudi, which would mean it would be a Legends house show main event match that meant nothing. By bringing in HBK, they teased us to believe that this is not only going to mean something, meaning there could be an actual ending that doesn't make it feel like a house show, but that it could spin forward, possibly, with the whole threat and tease about HBK at Mania that we're all basically 
saying for WWE. They haven't said it. We're saying, does this mean HBK is going to face Undertaker? So last week I'm high. This week I'm evened out, Adam, and here's why. I didn't like the material from Triple H. I did love the delivery and the intensity. I did love that it was short, but I felt like we had really good dialogue last week that made sense. We're addressing things that people are thinking, and this week it's just Triple H, now this is personal. So why is this personal, Triple H? Because Taker got in your friend's face, and then he called out Taker for not coming out this week. Hey, Trips, where were you last week? Taker was on Raw. What the heck's going on here? So minor details there. Overall, I am intrigued, Adam. What do you think this means with Triple H- with HBK? We said this last week. Is he going to be the referee? What does this mean moving forward? So, all right, I, I did check while you were talking. Um, and first and foremost, he's not the special guest referee, at least not yet for this match. Now, of course, we have like a month, you know, for it to actually happen, maybe even a little longer. I think it might be five weeks. So that could always happen. But HBK is announced for this show. So at a minimum, I think he'd be sitting in the front row. At a maximum, I think, He would be the special guest referee and reprise that role. But if I remember correctly, the role that he had as special guest referee the last time they fought, he was kind of in in between a rock and a hard place. This one, he's very much aligned with Triple H. So it makes me wonder if that role would make sense for him this time around, whereas last time it made sense the way they did it. He obviously regrettably had to count the one, two, three, and so on and so forth. Um... I think Triple H's appearance this week was unnecessary. Uh, I liked the initial one where he kind of, even though it didn't necessarily make sense, you know, the way he said why this match was important initially when he laid it out. Okay, fine. They decided to have the match. They want a Triple H on the show. He's free because he's backstage every week. It's fine. Now they have Undertaker come out. They have HBK come out. Okay, business is picked up. I am riding high. This took me down a peg and... I don't necessarily know that it was necessary this week when you're trying to sell the go-home show for Hell in a Cell, and you have Evolution coming up two or three weeks before Money Down Under, because if we're going to call it Money in the Sand, we might as well call this one Money Down Under. Um, So why not start building Evolution? And we're going to talk about this in a bit, but you don't have Sasha and Bailey on Hell in a Cell. You don't have some other big women's wrestlers. Well, it's it's about You have Nikki and Brie. Because Vicky and Bree there. This is a ticket grab. They probably have. They probably know what they're selling for tickets. They probably need more. So it's probably, hey, let's keep pushing this front and center and make people think it's really important. And then people in Australia will need well, to see it. I would like our Australian listeners to tweet us after this episode when they hear it and tell us, is there a lot of buzz down there, number one? And number two, how are tickets selling for it? Because for me, if WWE is coming to Australia, where we know they have a huge amount of fans, and they're going to be at the Melbourne Melbourne. I said that right, right? Melbourne. Melbourne. It's, well, the locals pronounce it Melbourne. Melbourne. Cricket ground. And I got the name right. Um, I would expect it to sell extremely well. What struggles are they having that they need to keep pushing this to this extent this early? So that is what I am very much curious about. Obviously, they didn't need to do it for Money in the Sand because those tickets were getting paid anyway. So they weren't really concerned about promoting that show to the same extent. And it was so close to WrestleMania. I don't know. It, it just seemed unnecessary, really, to me this week. Yeah, I think it, it was one bridge too far, probably more for ticket reasons. But uh, to, I did a quick Google search myself, and what I had seen was six days ago, it came out locally in Australia that they're promoting Michaels as the guest referee. So that ah. is where all the reports swirled. Obviously, WWE can pull that back. We'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, uh, you know, I just hope that it, it's going somewhere because if we go to, to the Thunder Down Under or whatever this is, not go to it, but watch it and – this is just two old guys and the match means nothing, then you will have essentially baited 
and switched me in the same way you did Raw 25 WWE and in the same way you did the money in the sand. Well, so this is a little bit different. So first of all, by the way, 4 a.m. Eastern time, which I don't know. (laughs) I don't think I'm watching it live. I think it's college football Saturday also. That's going to be very tough for me. Um, The rest of this card, though, it's really not money in the sand. So money in the sand, they basically made it like a WrestleMania junior, except it ended up being a house show where all the faces won all the matches. Everyone retained titles. Nothing changed. I don't necessarily think titles are going to change, particularly for Raw, where the three main titles, the men's titles, are all in one match. But the matches are, they're actually building storylines for the matches, where Money in the Sand was almost a remix of WrestleMania. So you have, obviously, Roman and Braun this week, and you have the tag team match coming up this week with The Shield, and I think they're actually going to call them the Dogs of War, whatever. No, Um, no, no, no. no, I know, it's terrible. I know, I know, I know. Um, But, so they're setting up the six-man tag at this show. So so my point is, and they have the Rousey with the Bella Twins going up against the Riot Squad. So they're setting up that six-woman match at the show. So to me, they are actually telling stories, whereas Money in the Sand kind of just happened. This is still being worked into the storytelling. It makes me think that it may not be as exciting of a show in terms of anticipation, but it may deliver better than Money in the Sand did. Yeah, that, there, there's that potential. There is that potential. I see that point. Uh, I, they haven't won me over yet, though, to really care about this. So we'll see what happens. That's also a really tough weekend, WWE, because that is UFC 229, Conor McGregor's return from a two-year break, what they're already calling the biggest fight in UFC history. So to get me in Las Vegas on Pacific time at 1 a.m. Pacific time to care about money in the in the in the uh, money in the uh, Australian desert, then. Uh, no, not yet. So. What are, what's going on with and is is this every year and I'm just forgetting, but with UFC and boxing in general, scheduling all their fights in like a three week window. Yeah, it's not they did it. Box, they did it last year. Yeah, but so what boxing does is boxing. The financial backbone of boxing is still Mexicans and Mexican American fans. So they schedule the two biggest pay per views every year, and Mayweather. Was a Cinco big, de Mayo. And, and De La Hoya were, were a big part of making this a reality. Yeah, May 5th weekend, Cinco de Mayo. September 15th weekend, uh, Mexican Independence Day. So that's when you're going to see the two oh. biggest. And, you know, the, summer is typically an off-season for boxing, just like winter is. So you normally see the big fights come before and after those two Mexican holidays. Now, UFC pretty much runs a WWE schedule of a pay-per-view every month. Yeah, right. they do a big one in July, a big one New Year's Eve. But they they work on their own times. So. I feel like they've devalued their pay-per-views. Am I wrong about oh, that? Who's they? UFC. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're watered down for the sake of money. They don't care. But, like, beyond the point, like, when WWE introduced In Your House and it was two hours and it was cheaper, right? They basically – it was a way to get pay-per-view revenue every month. And then WWE said, you know what? We're doing so well. Business is so hot. We don't need to devalue it anymore. We can go regular price, go three hours, and have one pay-per-view each month. And that was maybe – the best part of WWE pay-per-views, which is kind of what they've gone back to doing now. Then WWE tried to overextend themselves in between and do it like every three weeks or two a month with the brand splits, and they kept getting all screwed up. So to me, that's almost the equivalent to what UFC is doing with their pay-per-views. Does that make sense? You get a taste of that big-time money, you're filling dates, and then you get the TV deals, which is the backbone right now for UFC and WWE, and 
Yeah, it's it, there's way too much. And then, you know, UFC certainly is coming off a, a, a lull period in terms of having stars, and that really hurts you to keep people excited from one pay-per-view to the other. But we got to roll on in this main event. We got a lot to get to today, Adam. And the second part, kind of a modge podge, if you will, of what we saw this week, really surrounding guys like you said off the top and girls who will not be on Hell in a Cell on Sunday. And it's interesting because... Correct me if I'm wrong now on this assumption. What do we love about NXT pay-per-views? They're five matches. They get time to breathe. And even with five matches getting time to breathe, really one will go a half hour. Everybody else will go 15 to 22 minutes. WWE rolling out eight matches at Hell in a Cell this week. This will not be a six and a half hour SummerSlam show. When they went from two pay-per-views a month back to one, we were all like, oh man, now the pay-per-views are just going to be longer. Don't look now, Adam, but I kind of like this a lot. I can do with Finn Balor, Kevin Owens not being on Sunday's card and having them continue storylines. We don't have to have it all. We can just have enough, okay? I completely agree. And there is still the expectation that they will announce one or two kickoff show matches. So let's not act like it's only going to be eight. You know, there will be more. But I think a, a big reason for that is on Raw, again, they have three titles, one of them being the tag team titles, in two matches basically, um, and will have it in one match at, you know, money down under. And then you're looking at the women aren't like there's the two singles women's matches, but there's no other women on the, on the show. Oh, well, actually that's not true. There's the mixed tag team match. My point is I don't mind superstars being left off the card. What I, what starts bothering me is when they're left off multiple cards in a row. So Finn Balor and Kevin Owens, they did have matches, right, at SummerSlam. So, okay, for them not being on it, that's fine. But when have we, when's the last time we saw Sasha Banks and Bayley in any type of real match at a pay-per-view? That's unacceptable. Like, there's a lot of names that Shinsuke Nakamura, not wrestling. Again, it's okay because Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton are in their own feud, but how important is that Jeff Hardy-Randy Orton feud that the United States champion isn't on the show and neither mid-card title is being defended. Well, so I think there's a the lot cage. of fair questions. Jeff Hardy's going to kill himself. So we know what's going on here. We do. I'm just saying there's fair questions to ask about it, but it doesn't bother me. I am in the same camp as you where, okay, like I'm, I'm excited almost for eight matches and let's see some hot stuff. I don't want four hot minutes to get me out of here. I'd like 14 really quality minutes for each of these matches and let's see what they can actually do. But since you mentioned off the top, we'll talk about Finn Balor for a minute. He got his win back because Typical WWE 50-50 booking, oh, yeah. but he did get it over Elias in a segment that happened after Mick Foley came out and gave Elias a lot of juice. So Finn Balor got the roll-up win. I think that counts for something, but it's almost like looking for positives and grasping onto the straws when you kind of know next week if Braun needs to squash someone again. It's probably going to be Finn Balor. Yeah, I have no confidence in what they're doing. I mean, if you're a Finn Balor fan, are you happy that, was it, two weeks in a row or two out of three, whatever, he's in the main event on Raw, essentially, although there was a closing segment after this match on Monday? Yeah, I guess. Uh, What was interesting to me, though, Adam, is Michael Cole. And, you know, they don't... During the match, they have a lot of filler. But usually after the matches, the things they say are calculated, says a much-needed win for Finn Balor. I actually like that. One, because it kind of makes fun of them for burying him. But two, because they don't do enough, obviously, of addressing that wins and losses matter, whether it be financially, whether it be towards title opportunities, or whether it be just because you're straight-up burying a dude. So that was interesting to say much needed. It sort of is what it is. He's not really going anywhere. 
it's just tough because we're all mad at his lack of push and the bad booking with him. I don't think they hate him. I don't think in the long run he's going to become a jobber. I don't think anything like that. I think he's going to have another big moment. It's just we look at them as like in between big moments. You don't have to use somebody to job or break up brawls. You know, like stop, stop that crap. So that's really tough to handle, especially with his injury history and where he was before and now where he is after. And we know what he can do with the paint. We know, I mean, the guy's a friggin' stud. He has it. He's got all that crap, <laughs> all right? Yeah, the board is out of control at this point. You'd be lucky if I could find something. We got to organize this board, man. Um, so No, I, I totally agree with you, but it does go a little bit to what I was saying last week with Balor, which is we, he may not be getting the wins and he may not be p- being put in the spot that we want him to be in, but he is still featured every week. It's not like he's Bobby Roode where he just disappears for three weeks and then shows up in like a, a weird new angle, right? He is still a main player who's wrestling – as often as they can possibly have him and is on ev- almost almost because he's not on this one, almost every major pay-per-view in a match that is either featured or is at least on the main card. It's not like he's on kickoff show matches or anything. So I do think we may need to be a little bit more patient. That's corporate. Don't be, don't say patient. That's corporate. No, 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 a little bit because we, we can't forget that Roman and Brock were dominating this main event picture for so long. And now they're doing the program with Braun. Once that program runs its course, I'm not saying Finn is going to suddenly be in the main event, but I think everything has the opportunity to shift. Maybe it's Dolph, maybe it's Drew, whatever. And maybe Finn does slide into that mid-card title picture as Intercontinental Champion or Fighting Rollins or whatever the case is. It seems like they are still invested in him. It's just weird because they decided to make him the first Universal Champion. He gets injured in the match. He's on top of the world. People are going nuts for him. He comes back and never gets another title, or at least hasn't yet. Yeah, it's it's awful. It's weird. And in the end, look, wins and losses apparently don't matter to them, but they matter to us. We they do. want winners. People so on pay that to night, see winners, they don't pay to see losers. You got to remember that. Remember that forever, Adam. Remember that, and remember other sage wisdom that Savage has taught us. So I believe in karma, and karma comes back on you, and payback is hell. You know the deal, mofo. You know that deal. We should just do one show of all Savage drops because his drops are the best. It's They're not fantastic. Cool. They're so good. They're the best ones. Um, similarly to Finn Balor, we had Kevin Owens come back this week and try to explain the terrible booking from last week, explaining why he came back to WWE, what Baron Corbin did to ele- convince him to come back, which was basically give him carte blanche to raise hell and do whatever the hell he wants without any repercussions. Okay, that kind of made sense. And then he tried to explain why he helped Braun Strowman which he didn't really explain into that made no sense to me whatsoever. So what did you think of the Kevin Owens segment, his explanation and kind of what we saw from him on Monday? It was like, I wanted to hate it. And then you sort of sent me a, a note midway through that. that you're like, you know, I think they might've just repaired it. And I, I'm a raw hater right now. Believe I'm a raw hater. Yeah. And, and by the way, a lot of people mad at me, of course, from that SummerSlam uh, truth drop that I, that I, that I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did have some people, some OGs that stuck by me afterwards. They were like, you know, thank you for saying what need to be said. But I got to say the last two weeks, I am getting flooded by D with DMS from some of the same people who originally were like, no man, that's too harsh. Yo, you went too far. You're ruining my experience. You're killing my buzz that are now like BC hate to say it. You nailed it. And it sucks. So that's my default is raw sucks. But you know what? They tried 
to iron out the holes. And that's what we asked for them. Connect the dots. Don't make us feel stupid while we watch it. Don't leave plot holes and then act like they're not there. Hey, they tried to connect the dots. I'm actually happy with that. And then, of course, Owens delivered, dude. He came out there. He friggin' delivered. That I've I, I got to find the source. Jericho on some podcast within the last three months was talking about the grind on your body at in the late 40s and taking bumps, and he identified that buck that uh, apron yeah. bomb as the thing he'll never do again, and the thing that hurts the most and is most dangerous. And back in my ESPN days, I'd asked Roman Reigns one time which move hurts the most, and he's he was like, "Oh, the Kevin Owens power bot, the Papa power bomb." Without question, I asked. Kevin Owens on that interview we ran a couple weeks ago about laying it in stiff, and he he lays it in stiff all the time. I thought he crippled Tyler Breeze right there in a good way. Like, that was stiff. That was good. Overall, this worked, Adam. Am I excited for him to be feuding with Bobby Lashley? Hell to the no, but this 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 brought it back. So every time he does that move on the apron, Lance Storm basically tweets and yells how unnecessary it is and how dangerous it is. So these wrestlers, it that is legitimately – Dangerous. I mean, you're literally slamming someone spine first onto the hard. Yeah, there's part no of the flat. I, I rewound no. it, and there's no. I, I thought, okay, maybe he's angling his back to hit no. it flat. No, no, that's on the that's on the no. edge. It, it's legitimately dangerous. So you have to question how off, they do it so often. Why do they do it so often? And and whatever. But it puts him over so well. There were a couple little things I don't think people noticed. He came out and he wasn't wearing his his black and red, black and blue, black and white. He was back in the Kevin Owens. Black shirt with the tape. Now, yes. it wasn't the old one from NXT, but that silver, um, why can't I, duct tape. I, for some reason, I couldn't think of it. Uh, the duct tape-esque shirt. He had the pants that were matching, the, the shorts. Again, the black, silver, and white. He's going back. He's reverting back to prize fighter Kevin Owens. That's the best Kevin Owens. That's the Kevin Owens we got when he debuted and beat John Cena. Yeah, that's, that's not even prize fighter. That's sadistic, I will kill you, sadistic, Kevin Owens. Right. But it worked together, though, because the whole thing was he would beat the hell out of anyone to take care of his family. He'd and he would snap fighter. and have the serial right. killer look in his eyes. And for some people, that's, that works. It works. Yeah, dude. so, I mean, so is... that seems to be the direction that they're taking him. I think a fair criticism that both of us had is, why one week? <laughs> why not have it be two weeks? Apparently, because they needed it for this angle. For But they, they didn't need well, the answer is they so don't know what they're doing. That's the well, answer. no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Kevin Owens, Bobby Lashley angle, which is why he came back to do it in the Jinder Mahal segment, didn't need to start. That could have started after Hell in a Cell. So had it been three weeks instead of one, we wouldn't have crapped on it at all. We would have been like, oh, he was gone three weeks, passed the pay-per-view, he came back, he attacks him, and then he explains himself immediately after the segment. All of a sudden, it's good booking. But the last thing you said, and I know I'm joining on here, is the ver- just to address that last point, and I said this to you offline as well. When WWE sucks, which Raw, for the most part, sucks, and your opinion on that was never wrong. It was, like I said, the way you addressed it and droned on about it. But when it sucks, the only thing they can do is make it better or make it worse. This week, including the Braun stuff, including the Kevin Owens stuff, they repaired it. So you can't hate it as much as last week because last week was terrible. They did things that didn't make any sense. At least this week, they tried to close some of those holes and and fill us with, yeah, we know that we we messed up. Here, we're trying to fix it. I, and I Is think, that fair? And I, yeah, and I think overall, whereas like the midpoint of Raw, I was like, like screw these guys. Like I'm so done. You're going to be doing the Raw recap. You're taking over this podcast. I can't do this anymore. I will say when that Raw episode ended, 
I was kind of optimistic. It wasn't optimistic in general. It was compared to the crap. But yes, the the I give them a, a handshake and say thank you for trying. Thank you for trying to repair. I enter Hell in a Cell not fired up but not angry. That's a good thing. To close on, on this week before we get into what's next here is, uh, speaking of Lashley, did they just tease a Leo Rush going to be his manager? This is like starting to feel like a trend. We're seeing the uh, rock star spud Drake Maverick with AOP. And don't call them authors of pain, it seems like. It seems like authors of pain is the next Langston and Alexander and all that other stuff. But I really like this, Adam. Now, there's a layer to it of what does this mean for 205 Live? That's worth talking about. But just in the we always say there's never there's not enough managers. There's Paul Heyman and there's nothing else. We got managers now. This is this is great. I think so, too. Now, there's three people from 205 Live that have now been on Raw in the last two weeks. Two of them in back-to-back weeks and one of them just this week. So you have Leo Rush now basically serving as a manager slash hype man for Bobby Lashley, um, which I thought was a good segment. He was very repetitive. So my, my thing with Leo Rush is like he doesn't actually seem to be natural on the mic but he can deliver the lines they give him. So we'll see if that develops. He is young, so we'll see what happens there. You have Drew Gulak, who was randomly involved in that heel beatdown segment two weeks ago and came back out with that same group of people this week. Like, they didn't even address why, but he was there. And then certainly you have Drake Maverick in this weird situation where he's the general manager of 205 Live as a face and now a heel manager for AOP on Raw. And I cannot get over the fact that the way he looks when they have him dress up like them. And it was better this week without the tactical vest, but he was still in their gear. He looks like a Ken doll playing dress up. <laughs> he was wearing a black wife beater. I mean, look, I, it's, why can't he just wear his suits again? Yeah. Be Jim Cornette. Suits, I don't get it. You're exactly right. Because he's so small, he's got to be a chicken S heel. And instead he's being this tough guy, which, so I'm saying that I don't love Drake Maverick with AOP at all. I like managers though. I think yeah, Leo, Ru- you're, the idea is you're putting somebody who can talk with people who can't talk. Guess what? AOP can't talk. They've been brutal on Raw, and we all know that Bobby Lashley can't talk under this character, which makes no sense. So this is good. I'm with it. We're seeing Zelina Vega uh, come from up from NXT and be, and be with uh, our guy Almas. I mean, this is a positive direction. Now, what does this mean to 205? I've heard no rumors that they're shutting down the show. The show's still damn good. If this is just using more people in spots since they're already on the tour, they're already on the trip, then... That's creative. That's fine. Yeah, I never understood what they did with 205 Live initially. Like, I never understood why they wrestled on Raw, but the show aired live Tuesday nights after SmackDown. So they had to travel to two different shows every week. So that never made sense. And it seems like they are – that's the thing. Like, are they just integrating them? Are they actually thinking about shutting down 205 Live and they're just slowly working them into Raw? That's the show they're going to be on because there's more time. Are they finding spots for people? And if so, I don't think they needed to find a spot for Drake Maverick because he's GM of that show and doing a great job. I don't necessarily think they needed to find a spot for Drew Gulak, who I think is going to get a title match coming up with Cedric Alexander. So he's in the main event picture. And I don't know that they needed to find a spot for Leo Rush, who was new to that show, but one of the more entertaining new characters that they've actually introduced there. You would think maybe they would try to find spots for people that are there, Brian Kendrick maybe make him the manager of AOP, like give roles to people who otherwise don't have them. So it seems weird, but there is no doubt that something's happening. There's no doubt that either Vince or Trips or someone 
made a decree to say we need to get 205 Live people involved on the main roster. The question is why. I'd like to believe that Trips heard the fallout and feedback from SummerSlam. Not, not going to be that guy that tells you Trips was listening to the show. Dude, Trips doesn't give a damn about any of the shows. He's not listening to our shows. I'm saying heard the overall negative feedback, watched all in, knows. The, Trips can hear Jimmy. He knows the score. He knows what's going on right now. Is he drinking the juice? Yes, he's living in the juice. He's putting the juice in his veins. But I feel like he gets it. I feel like, Adam, that we're starting to see subtle Triple H touches and changes, one being the shorter pay-per-view card this weekend. I could be making it up in my head, but you got to have optimism on something or you're just going to go crazy. You're going well, to you're, you're Benoit as a fan because you just can't handle it. It's certainly not the Braun Strowman angle. So he may have little touches. He may be like twinkling some sprinkles on top, top of the my melting ice cream sundae, but he, he, it's, they're minimal. You know, they're, they're chocolate sprinkles. They're not the multicolored. You know, he's only doing so much. Are chocolate sprinkles called Jimmy's? Isn't that a racist term? Somebody said it's a racist term. Is that a racist term? Uh, it seems like it would be, right. but I don't know that it is. I don't know. All right. I'm All not right. aware of that, though. For, despite being in the South, I'm in Florida. Florida's not the I, South. That's why. Florida is I know, New I York know. vacation adjacent. Yeah, that's, 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 not, that's nothing I've really heard. But regardless, I do think it is interesting what's happening with 205 Live, what's happening with Raw. And we do have this pay-per-view preview to get to. So, BC, why don't we slide out of the main event and into my favorite segment of the show, Hero. Or I'm giving you a lot of time to find the drop. Zero. <laughs> All right, BC, let's kick it off with actually some NJPW. A huge match. What, what was the event? The uh, Road to Destruction. It's a tour right? they're on right now. It's a tour yeah. of Road to Destruction shows, yeah. Gotcha. A huge match that went down that really has people talking. The Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi going up against and defeating Tomohiro Ishii and Will Ospreay in a tag team main event last Friday. We are right now in a massive lull between the end of the G1 and the upcoming Fighting Spirit Unleashed show in Long Beach, California. So hero or zero to whether this was enough to hold you over in terms of the, well, Euro Revolution, but in terms of the NJPW watching habits of one Brian Campbell. Yeah, for the Revolution, hero. This was a friggin' good match. Shout out to all of the bros who slid in the DMs to be like, BC, did you watch this match yet? Now, this tour... On paper, I have not been watching it, but on paper, when I look to see what the matches are, hasn't looked to be overly strong. Look, it's a tour. It's like a house show run, basically, that they're putting on the the NJPW network. But this main event had the potential, and it delivered. I mean, this was like four and a half stars. It was a beautiful spot fest. It was incredible, and it teased the future, Adam, of what it could be because you had a lot of Will Ospreay and Kota Ibushi time together, and you had a lot of of Kenny Omega and Ishii time. We know Ishii had the victory over Kenny Omega and the G1, which will get him a title shot at the IDWGP heavyweight title coming soon. This, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to redo and go down the road and do the act, but in a time when WWE is not getting it done. And in a time when all in was just friggin' fantastic to have this be the next thing in line to keep you satiated, to put it on the lips, to rub it on the gums for a second Anyone that did not watch this, it was September 7th, the last Friday show. If you have access to NJPW World, check out the match. A beautiful match that produced a lot of people sliding in. Kentucky Long Rifle, what is that, an email? It is. It's a bonus DM slide from our brother down under, 
at Jax Browner, one of our many passionate Aussie fans. He said, you know, BC, did you watch the match? Yeah, bro, I did. He said the crowd was on fire and the lovers were at their absolute best as a tag team. And my goodness, says Jax Browner, what would an Ibushi Osprey one-on-one match look like? Oh, my God. <laughs> Woo! Adam, there were long teases in this match of Ibushi versus Osprey. I want to see so badly what that does look like when they do pay it off. I've had other DM sliders or people saying, does this mean oh, Osprey's going to become a heavyweight? Does this mean, uh, you know, Bushi's going to go after the junior? But I don't care. Just make this a feud. Make this a match. Adam, these guys have scary six, seven star potential. These guys might do something, a beautiful disaster of a, like it may end their careers, but it's just, I'm loving, I'm golden loving all over it. Oh my gosh. Wow, did you catch that tag team match? No. So, you know, the segment's hero is zero. Come on. Hero for Brian. I have to do it for you. Uh, that's, that's the whole point. You got to give the answer. Um, I did off the so, top. If you were listening to the beginning of the rant, it was an absolute hero. But that's fine. I just fine. assumed it was I, like, I I just you, assumed you it was like the out in between. I'm going to go on forever. Like, Nick, did, you so. don't actually listen to our show. You just speak when it's your turn <laughs> to speak. I get it, but that's fine. <laughs> At least I'm here week to week. Um, so, the... I did not get to watch it. Very, very busy with college football, but I will. So this is not me crapping on it or saying it's not worth it because it's a tag team match. I I was surprised that this is the match that everyone was talking about. Not because the competitors aren't good, but it's just random to hear in this big tour that they're doing. A singular tag team match was the one that stole the show. So even more than anything, that's why I'm really interested to see it. But been very busy with college football, have not had an opportunity. So me saying hero or zero would be unfair in this situation. I have a feeling it sounds like it's going to be a hero. Um, But I do think that Kenny Omega already said, just to provide some context, that Ishii will get the first IWGP heavyweight title match and Osprey and Ibushi. I mean, I cannot wait to see that if it does sound like it's going to happen. Um, I can't think of anything really better than that in that type of division than that match. That's literally talking about... Maybe the two best junior heavyweights in the world. Well, let me put you on the spot. Under Meltzer's scale, and he gave, what, the fourth Omega Okada? What did he give it? Seven and a quarter? I don't even know. A couple remember. days after I did, but sure, go yeah. ahead. I've <laughs> said that Kenny and Kota, the Golden Lovers, together are the only two that could best that. Am I wrong? Is there another combination? Is it, can Osprey and, and Kota touch it? Is there anyone in your mind, put them together, that has this chance? no first match between anyone can top it because the reason that match was so good was not just the match quality, the work rate, the crowd, the event. Story, it was the story yeah. storytelling. So it was the fourth match in a series. It built up literally every, they, they touched on every one of the three matches prior, put some new stuff in there and paid all of it off at the end. So it's not possible. You'd have to have a series between Kenny and Coda that lasted a year and was included maybe a, a real love angle, them breaking up, them having some matches. Maybe Kota wins the title, Kenny wins it. It would have to be told in such a way that it could then put it on that potential level. You know but there's no way. Cody dating Kenny, uh, Cody dating Kota to get back at Kenny. That's, that's, a, <laughs> that's some heel turn stuff right there. A little, little, um, little uh, three-way action with Brandy, maybe. I mean, that's getting a little bit gross and ridiculous, but... Has Big Sexy just made tonight... A three-way dance. Hey, oh, all right. Point, but, but point, being, do, point being, you couldn't do it. But do you agree that uh, this madman Osprey, even without a story, is is just in this category of a guy who could just just 
piss out a six-star match by accident? He's great. He's great, but I do agree with the opinion that Chris Jericho has provided to Osprey directly and also on his show, so both privately and publicly, which is tone it down. It's yeah. just not necessary. I'd Don't rather die. you have a longer career and watch more of your matches than literally going out and killing yourself at whatever age he is now, 26, 28. Just calm down. Calm like, take it down, down. Take it down a quarter star and give me more five-star matches in the future. All right. To Adam here, number two, hero or zero. Hey, last week on NXT, Johnny Gargano and Velveteen Dream tore the friggin' house down in that main event that you like maniacally passionately were like, you gotta watch this right now, brother, in what looks to be the kickoff to their feud. So we always have to clarify and, and, and put things in perspective here. Hero or Zero, that last week's Gargano Dream Match belongs in the conversation for 2018 Pro Wrestling Match of the Year. It's really tough because I'd love to say Hero, but it wasn't long enough. It wasn't on a pay-per-view. There were a couple slow moments. It was a great match. It was legitimately great. I loved it. I, I said so on Twitter. I messaged you like three times. Have you seen it yet? You kept saying no. I'm like, what the hell are you waiting for? It's not like you're traveling or doing anything. Put on WWE Network. It's a 15-minute match. Watch it, right? Um, and hopefully when you answer here, you can tell me I was right because I normally am. Uh, but in this particular case, no, it's not a match of the year contender. I don't think it was among even the top 10 we've seen to this point. And that's not crapping on it at all. Uh, I'm curious to see if it does get, if Meltzer does rate it four stars or above. I think it was a four, four and a half star match. We, we saw seven stars this year. Like it's just not, it's not in the conversation of, of the year overall in the world. And it's probably not in the conversation in WWE either, but it's certainly a, if you did a top 10, seven, eight, nine, 10 for WWE. That's fair. I mean, uh, for a friggin' regular pre-taped TV match, it's incredible. And I will say, I think it's a step below of those, quote unquote fight of the years but I will say the last five minutes of it with the constant near falls and that electricity that really great per matches produced down the end I mean you hate when I say this it almost had Okada NJPW level electricity in the last couple of minutes uh, where like they took a little bit of that flavor and and inserted it into the NXT product and it was so good I love that match I loved it. I enjoyed it. And by the way, I was traveling, by the way, for the uh, Showtime Garcia Porter box match. But that's fine. You know, facts aren't a big deal in the show. Hey, let's move it forward, Adam. So it's a zero for you also. It's a zero, but it's a hero of a match. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Okay, Renee Young uh, officially, formally, and permanently has replaced Jonathan Coachman. Not permanently. Nothing's permanent in WWE. Come on. Well, for the near, for the foreseeable future. Uh, they're not going to announce Renee Young takes this job and have her leave it in two months. So it's at least a year, okay? So permanently for uh, the foreseeable future, uh, has replaced Jonathan Coachman as the babyface color commentator on Raw, becoming the first full-time woman to join any WWE booth, you know, full-time a main TV show. So hero or zero to whether this is an upgrade for Raw. It seems like it would be a hero because people love Renee and people rightfully really turned on Coach the, the second half of his most recent run. But I'm going to give you a, a controversial take here. It's actually a zero. I'm going to say it like this. WWE screwed WWE here. Coach didn't. I like Coach. Good dude. Close with him. Used to work with him at ESPN. He was not good in this iteration. He was good the first month, basically, and then it fell off the rails. But I think it was WWE's fault. Coach is a heel. Heel coach is a thing. He's a character. 
And he was doing this sunny, stupid, baby face, basically the poor man's uh, Byron Saxton of Raw. And it was clashing on air with Corey. It didn't make a lot of sense. It didn't make sense when we know Coach to be a vibrant, opinionated, funny guy and to just put him in the box of you be the, the stupid baby face. So, of course, it stunk. But the reason why I say this is a zero. Guys, Renee's not that good in this role. We love her. I'm a couple weeks in now. She's not that good. She's, she's, she's below average at this role. Her in an interviewing sense, her hosting shows, her as a personality, her as a person. If you ever get a chance to meet her fans out there, she's A++++. She's not good at this role. I don't think she's going to be good at this role because why? She's not an ex-wrestler. She doesn't call moves. There's no reason for her to be good at this role. It doesn't make any sense. Coach, even in that broken down state where he said dumb things and got called out for it all the time, for me, was still better than where I see Renee in the long run. It's a zero. So you did mention it, but I want to clarify. You are acquaintances slash friends with Coach. You text with him. You're able to text with him. Yeah. So so take that into perspective here. And, and I'm not saying that you're allowing it to affect your judgment, but the problem with Coach was not that he was a face when he is, I totally agree, much better as a heel, much better as someone giving hot takes. That wasn't the problem. The problem was he was ill-informed and he said a lot of things that were stupid. Not stupid in terms of wrestling, like not knowing what a move is called, but like, him trying to come up with reasoning for a wrestler doing something and it not making any sense. So I, I don't criticize Coach for his ability. When he did that interview segment, he was very good. When he, if, he, if they made him a backstage interviewer or he's going to lead this kickoff panel, I think he's going to do for pay-per-views, I think he's going to do a great job. Yeah, that's what he does on Sports That's what he did on Sports Center. That's what he yes, because on- he's extremely talented and good at what he does. He has a great voice. He has a good look. The name's cool. Obviously, calling a guy coach is awesome. Okay, but... It wasn't just not being a heel. It was when he was on SportsCenter and with ESPN, he was not as thoroughly involved in WWE day-to-day as he was when it was his permanent full-time job at the company. So that his world changed. Even if he watched it every week, even if he was able to, to interview wrestlers on SportsCenter or whatever that show was that they did, he wasn't immersed in the world. And when you're not immersed in the world and he's doing Golf Channel, he's doing all these other things, he's traveling, and he's a very busy guy – you're not going to have the same mentality to have that job as someone like Renee, as someone like Corey, Brax, et cetera. Now, so that's that part of it. It's a hero because Renee is an upgrade, because she is involved in that world. It's nice to have a woman on one of these shows. She is a professional broadcaster, even if being a color commentator is not the best. Yeah, that's use the of error, her. Is, is the use of her. It is. But the question is, is she better than coach? And for all the reasons I said, she is. The real answer, unfortunately, is that you're correct in the latter part of your argument, which Booker T is way better than Renee in this role. And and had they put Booker T back on raw, it would have been a massive upgrade. And you saw that when he filled in for coach, it was a really big upgrade. Renee is a minor upgrade for me. If coach was a D Renee is like a C plus, whereas Booker T would have been a B plus, right? So it's not as big of an upgrade as we would want for that role but it's still an upgrade and it's still a hero. And I'm happy for her that she got the opportunity, even though I think she's even told us, I think when we interviewed her, that she tried this on NXT, didn't really work out so well, didn't really think she was ever going to do it again. And then literally 
three months after that interview, she does two spots on Raw and is now full time. Yeah, it's because it does. It's not her necessarily. It's that it doesn't make sense for her in this role. And, the, and the, to close on Coach, I think he didn't adjust to the new era. The new era of commentary yeah. is different from when he was there. Everything's much more scripted. And then put in a character role that didn't suit him. Basically, they wanted him to be Saxton, and it didn't work. Booker T can play the foil, but he can do it more in a crazy so, way, right? So here's the thing. I think Saxton's playing Saxton, and I called him Braxton earlier, which I was thinking Braxton Miller for some reason. But Saxton's playing a character. Coach wasn't playing the Saxton character. He almost was the Saxton character in real life. And that's the problem. You can't really be that guy. I'm not, I'm not saying he's a doofus because that's the character well, that Saxton plays. But he, the in, in, inform, how he was informed or lack thereof, it, it kind of felt that way. Because I think he was playing a character as a babyface. If anyone that knows Coach, he's a heel in real life. He's a great guy, right. but he's a funny one line in, you know guy. So I think that would have been more natural for him. Didn't work out. Still with the company. Smart move. Fair Hopefully. to say Coach was not given the best opportunity to succeed. But simultaneously did not succeed. No I think that's a good way about to it. it. Hey, number four, Hero or Zero, Adam. ProWrestlingSheet.com has reported that The Rock, Dwayne Johnson's 17-year-old daughter, Simone Johnson, has begun training at WWE's Performance Center. I want to put you on the spot right here. Sight unseen, Hero or Zero, that by age 21, she will have already competed for a main roster title. Zero. Easiest zero I can put out there. So you're saying main roster title. Right now there's two. So you want her involved inside of four years in the Raw Championship or the SmackDown Championship. Now let's say they add a tag team at some point. Or be in a tag team with Nia Jax, let's say. Women's IC title, whatever. Just a title. Uh, Okay, okay. So the answer is no, it's a zero. Um, This headline's going around and we're going to write a story on it for CBS Sports because it's The Rock and because it's his daughter. And it's headlines and it makes sense. She is occasionally training at the Performance Center. She has said, it was a year ago, she said in an interview, one day after she graduates college, she might be interested in wrestling full-time. Apparently, according to Pro Wrestling Sheet, she may be considering doing that a little bit more now, but she's 17 years old and goes to high school, and high school's getting in the way. So let me tell you something. At age 17, she ain't winning a main roster title or competing. At age 18, she ain't doing that either. At age 19, she's going to be, if let's say she starts immediately after high school, she'll be one year into the Performance Center. Let's say at age 20, she gets on NXT. So you're telling me between 20 and 21, she not only is good in NXT, but is good enough to make it all the way to the main roster, compete in a main, in a main event potentially for one of those main titles, and win it? Zero. I think if what she does wrestle— What do you think is wrestle, the proper over-under on age? We don't know if she's going to— go full-time. We don't know anything, right? This is just a, a, a glitzy headline. But what would be the over-under on the age if she stuck with us? If she wrestles, if she decides to wrestle, I think she'll probably be pretty damn good considering her father and her family's heritage and the fact that The Rock would probably even help her more than he helps Nia Jax, etc. Because he's able to cultivate, he'd be able to cultivate her personally, right? In a close situation. Um, if she started at age 21... Three years, twenty-four. So I would put the well, over under at twenty-four. Let me and a say, half. what if she starts now? What if she doesn't go to college? What if she just says, you know what? Because here's the thing: if it's in her blood, do you think that The Rock's daughter, Dwayne Johnson, multi-millionaire action movie star's daughter, is going to skip college to wrestle? Well, you cut me off for a second. Let me tell you, because she's essentially now fourth generation. If she does this, 
and she grew up thinking this is normal. And look, if you grew up and your dad owned a store, you're naturally going to be entrepreneurial and not be afraid, right? You grew up in whatever, you, you, whatever your parents do, it seems normal and easy. So this is not that far of a reach. And I think once she gets a taste of it, like a lot of people, like Charlotte, who never wanted to do it, but then tried it, got a taste of it, and was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and predict that she's not going to go to college. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying if she's already starting part-time just trying it, I feel like this could take off quick and get in her blood if she is interested. And here's the thing. Not only is she the Rock's daughter, have you seen her, her mom, Danny Garcia, who is mm-hmm. the Rock's ex-wife and business manager, who got mm-hmm. into powerlifting when she remarried and is friggin' jacked? Um, if she's got that type of discipline and training in her family, she could be more of a natural potentially at this than even Charlotte Flair and maybe enter with the same level of insane pressure that – you can't just come in here and be Ricky Steamboat Jr. You got to come in here and be a star. This is an interesting headline. So zero on age 21, but I don't think it would be much longer after that if she sticks with this because why wouldn't they fast track her to the moon? Can you imagine WWE licking their chops and going, you're telling me in five years our WrestleMania main event could be Charlotte Flair against the, the Rock Jr.? Like that's insane, right? The pebble, uh, Flair versus yeah, the pebble. Versus the pebble. Um, and obviously, think of the climate, dude. We're just about to have the first women's uh, pay per view, so it, it's, of course. it's a Look, different I'm just time. Ca- I, I'm crapping on it because it's so far off. You know, two things. One, we need the Booker T sound drop looking real jacked, baby. We need that at some point for the show. Let me tell you who didn't skip college: Roman Reigns, The Usos, Nia Jax, The Rock, Tamina Snuka. She's not skipping college. She'll start age 21, 22. If, Guess if who then. all their dads are? Not the friggin' Rock. Sorry, Rikishi. Sorry, uh, 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 the oh, Wild you don't Samoans. Think, you don't think your dad being Rocky Johnson is anything? I mean, he wasn't I'm a multi. Saying he wasn't a... If somebody's dad is somebody of the Rock, and you try it out, and you go, you know what, I want this, they might be like, hey, you go to college for the rest of your life. I mean, Charlotte didn't even like. Charlotte didn't want to. It took her brother right. dying. We know the right. story. It's just, it, yeah, look, yeah, it's yeah, different yeah, situation. Yeah. I'm just saying it's the, different. It's the different. climate right now for women was never before a spot where someone her age can go, you know what? I can do this. You know, like there's the performance center. You're, so the, the one good point you do make is she could walk in and by age 23 be a millionaire in her own right. Or close to it. And or, her parents you know, on are the way friggin' loaded. Home. College is not like a, if you don't go at age 18, you'll never go again. Dude, she's set for life. This is an no. interesting headline, I'm saying. I just don't see a situation where she doesn't go to college. This ain't That's Brooke Hogan is what I'm saying. This is some, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Who knows? Sight unseen, we have no idea. Let's move on. Okay. Newly signed NXT talent and former UFC fighter Matt Riddle, the way I worded this, took a dump on uh, UFC president Dana White in a tweet recently. And this is what the tweet read. Hey, Dana, remember that time you fired me and talked all that shit to me on the world and called me a loser? I just wanted to say thank you for everything dummy. Wow. Hero or zero to whether Riddle was justified in his criticism of Dana White. This is interesting. And the dummy was a reference to what Dana White said on one of those UFC shows. And he linked the video to his tweet. And look, at the time when Matt Riddle was fired on a four fight win streak as a UFC fighter, our acceptance and tolerance and understanding and laws regarding marijuana was a lot different. So when Dana dumped Riddle and was like, you know, this, this, this dummy, it was a much different setting than 2018. The question is hero or zero. Was this justified? I'm going to give him a zero here. I get where he's coming from. In theory, he should have a beef, but there's concerns 
I was at the post NXT takeover press conference after Riddle was announced, and they a lot of the journalists give him credit, pinned Triple H down with their questions, said, Hey, look, he's tried out for you before. You didn't sign him. You know, what about this the the, the bad you know, the marijuana stuff? It's in by the way, it's not that he uses Adam during a time when it was illegal, it's that he was very open about not caring Correct. about it. So Correct. you know, Triple H is like, look, this is a like everybody else, a trial basis. We'll see what he's, you know, what he's got, how he's going to act. So I think this tweet is in bad taste toward maybe how WWE would want him to act. So I say as a professional, it's a zero. It wasn't justified. Is Dana White a jerk who steps on his own toes and constantly uh, downgrades his own talent? Yes. Many, listen to the ITC MMA show many, many times over. So Dana had this coming, but it's a zero how he handled it. So forget the acceptance or tolerance changing, all that stuff. It was against the rules. Okay? So he broke the rules. And what Dana White said on those shows, and Dana White's not going to come out and say, hey, I, I, really, I really wish Matt Riddle didn't smoke weed and was able to fight. No, he's going to say, look, this is a because you know Dana, he's an aggressive personality. He's going to say, look, this guy has his whole career ahead of him. He's ruining his opportunity by not following a very simple rule that we have. He's a dummy. That's what Dana said. So it's a zero that for the justification, it's a zero for the professionalism, and it's a zero because this is exactly the type of thing that WWE probably doesn't want him doing, not just referring to it and referring to his past and reminding people of what happened with Dana White and why he got kicked out of UFC, but they probably want him on the straight and narrow now, not that that means not smoking marijuana, because guess what? It's technically not allowed in WWE either, but it's like a $2,000 fine and you move on with your life. So he's going to be allowed to smoke while being a WWE superstar as long as he can afford to pay the fines, and he probably will. The point is he can't be on social media promoting it and, and talking about it. WWE has been able to do the weed cool guy angle. You saw it with RVD with occasionally mentioning it a little bit, and that was in the Attitude Era. They never explicitly came out. And like had RVD like stoned backstage, <laughs> they would just reference 420 or reference, you know, they'd throw references in. So it's possible to be done with the cool, you know, dude, surfer guy type of character. But you don't have to throw it in people's face. He just signed. He hasn't had a match yet. All he did was appear on one show. Calm down. So it's a zero. That said, this is a very Kobe Bryant type of move by Riddle. He finds whatever he possibly can to motivate him to be better and more successful, even if he's not justified in using it as motivation. I like that from a competitor standpoint, from a human being standpoint. I'll give him a slight hero on that, but it is a zero in terms of him moving on in his career. Move on, bro. It's over. You're in WWE, be yeah, a WWE You superstar. won already, so don't, like, you know what I mean? Like, don't You won. You won. He won. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Hey, we got to get into this Sunday's Hell in a Cell preview which will take place in uh, a city that's called uh, San Antonio, apparently. Hey, uh, I got issues with WWE here. Me too. Did you see this uh, HIAC poster that has uh, Ron Strowman with goat horns and, like, dragon wings and a tongue? And Roman Reigns, your top baby face, is presented as a devil with horns and a tail. And okay, maybe you could tell me, hey, BC, it's, it's 2018, it's progressive. There are people who well, worship certain religions and it doesn't mean they're bad. If you're going to go that angle, 
look at his face. His face is evil. So they're presenting him as evil. Isn't he your top baby face that you won't turn? And I thought it was a PG product. Why are we presenting devils? I'm going to send you to hell. Finn Balor can't be a baby face. All right, all right, whatever. So you have Braun, who is a monster. So why not make him look like a monster? I mean, he is technically looking like a monster, but he's looking like a winged flying monster. He's a huge dude. Present him as this. Make him the devil. Make him a massive dude with horns but on his head. He's a heel. And if Reigns is the big dog, then why wouldn't you – if you're going to do a stupid cartoon poster, why wouldn't you present him as some type of wolf or dog or something like that? It Look, WWE makes a lot of dumb marketing decisions. This one makes no sense. I don't get it. I thought you were going to criticize the, the location of the pay-per-view, and that's actually what I want to do. If they're promoting the 20th anniversary of Hell in a Cell so heavily – that they're bringing Mick Foley back for the main event, why the hell is this not in Pittsburgh? That's fair. That's fair. They don't care about like, that, though. They, but it's such. it's been such a huge part. No, but no, I don't. I, let me take that back. They do care about it. They do like symmetry. They like for the Shield to reunite in the same city that they debuted. Right. They do like that. So you're right. You're right. That's a, that's a fair criticism. It, it, I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. All right, All right. We got a lot to get to. Let's get into this card. We'll start off with the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, which could potentially even be a kickoff show match. New Day versus Rusev Day. Day versus Day. New Day obviously coming in as the champions. BC, what did you think about the Rusev Day bar match on SmackDown Tuesday night? And are you excited at all for this match? I liked it. I liked it. You know what? I mean, look, this is another good episode of SmackDown. Man, it's just different enough from Raw that it works. And I love it. And it's smooth. And it doesn't make you angry. It doesn't always pop, but it's acceptable programming. This match was good. This match made me appreciate Aiden English a little more. I thought he was really good when he got backdropped by Rusev over the top rope. That was a cool little spot. He's got the uh, Rusev day on his tights now. Look, this is, like you said, it's a perfect opener and or kickoff show match. I'm not jacked up for it, but I really like these two teams. I like that Aiden English is staying with Rusev and, and that they can be a tag team because it's a way to use Aiden and, and give Rusev a push without having to put a title on him. I don't think they're going to win it here. I don't necessarily need four hot minutes. Hey, give me about 12 to 13. I'm going to be happy about this. Let's see the New Day retain because they're going to have bigger. Look, there's, there's tag teams for them to face. So Rusev Day is not one that's going to win the belts. But here's the thing. New Day's gone through them all. Like, I, don't, I didn't necessarily. I know they had to take the titles off Bludgeon Brothers because Rowan got injured. So that is why this happened. But New Day, A, doesn't need the titles. And B, there's while the tag teams on SmackDown are far superior to Raw, with the exception of McIntyre uh, and Ziggler, they're far superior. There's only four of them, really. And there's only so many matches you can have with those combinations. So I actually think they need, not, not that I want, they need to take the titles off New Day. Put them on Rusev and Aiden English. And now suddenly you have matches with them against the Bargain, against the Usos, and it's fresh and new. We have seen New Day as champions fight all of these teams. We just saw it for an entire year. I can't. I was shocked that they kept New Day and Usos both on SmackDown. See, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, but it didn't make sense. Do they need the belt? No, but they're Rusev being, they're will being have pushed for as... all three titles. Rusev will have thought, fought for all three titles in like a sh very short period of time on SmackDown and not won any of them if he loses this match. I think you have to give it to him. I don't know. Then you have another, because of English, even though I just put him over, that I like him. Then you have another lopsided, almost uh, underdog team like we just had with the B team. It's like a Slater Rhino to a certain degree. Fans don't see them that way, though. I don't know. I Look, the New Day, while they don't need the belts, they're getting pushed as an all-time 
You gotta stop. You, you, you got. I mean, you just. You know. Fans love it. You, you, gotta, you gotta stop. Yeah, but it's an old cheapy bit. It's lame. It's it's. Come on. It's. Is it's, it re- wait? Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an old. It's a. It's Who did the, that on cheapy? From Cheapy's famous uh, trivia episode, I believe it was a, a friend of the podcast, Ange Gold, who recorded, who used to write for WWE and recorded the. It's not a belt. It's a title, and then they. It became a, a regular sound drop. Okay, well, I listened to one episode of Cheapy, and that was your go away episode after we hired you to see what kind of guy we were getting here at CBS Sports. This is not from Cheapy. This is me giving you crap because you call them belts and not titles. Right, but it supports a, a lame edict from Vince McMahon. It, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like that's Vince being dumb about sports. Do you know how many tweets I get laughing that I do this to you? I'm going to keep doing it. Go ahead. Right. Call titles, and I won't do it. All right, so the New Day wear these belts, and they're blue. Titles. And uh, look, they're being presented as an all time <laughs> team. I think you can still make fun. You put them in the word sanity. Give sanity a rub. Close oh, off sanity. Them. Yeah. So uh, you keep it on them. Because if you give it to Rusev Day, we know it's a transition. So there you go. Give me give me 12 hot minutes. we got to move on. I did forget sanity. The other reason I'd like him to lose it, because guess what? Big E, you're over, dog. Like, it's time to be in the mid-card picture. It'd be nice if they did more with those guys outside of keeping them in the tag team title picture. Okay. Coming up also on SmackDown, we have a Hell in a Cell match between Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton. And I am just going to come off right at the top, and it's not a special prediction because I'm sure a lot of people think the same, but I'm going to tell you what I think happens in this match, or at least how it ends. Jeff Hardy, off the top of the cell, swanton bomb onto a table. Orton dodges it, rolls him in the ring, pins him. We don't see Jeff Hardy again until the Royal Rumble. What do you think? Yeah, that's 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 pretty fair. His name is Jeff Harvey. Uh, yeah, this is the setup for that. This is what Hardy wants in his career to do this big moment. This has been a really fun feud this past week. I liked it again when that when they uh, when Orton interrupted the match and they attacked and it was kind of a rehash, but it was well done. And and I'm down with this. I think it's going to be a violent match. And what I hope is that, like, you just laid out what seems obvious. He's going to swan off the It top. seems obvious, yeah. I hope they, they got something else, or something to go with that, or something creative that we didn't see coming. Or I'm not going to say he swantons off the top into an RKO, now that somebody's going to Oh, break my God. Neck. But I want to see some, oh well, I don't God. know, can he hang from the top of the cage inside of it and then fall into an RKO? All I know is we're going to see something special here. This certainly has steeled the show potential, not maybe from start to finish from the match, but moment-wise. This could be very special. Could also kill a man. So we'll see what happens. But the threat of violence has brought us there before. Uh, I think Orton's going to win too. I think it makes sense of what you said. Hardy goes away, but this is going to be a beautiful disaster. I'm ready. Are you okay with this match being the SmackDown Hell in a Cell match? Not Charlotte, Becky, or AJ Samoa Joe when, to be fair, those feuds are just as engrossing and just as violent and could also require a cell to kind of, you know, showcase it better. The answer is yes, because I think when they have more than one hell in a cell match in the same pay-per-view, they downgrade it and they weaken it. And AJ and Joe, it's going to be so good in a ring. Becky and Charlotte would be better in a ring than it would be in a cage. So if you're telling me we can use Jeff Hardy and have some legendary spot potentially, and you, and you have to have two HIAC matches, then yes, that's fine. That's fine with me. Okay, I, I kind of agree only because Hell in a Cell should be the end of a feud, which is why I don't like it in the main event for Roman Braun. It should be the end. It's the last one. It's decided yeah. inside Hell in a Cell. Cool. And I think it will end the Orton-Hardy feud. But it, the other ones on SmackDown, I think, will keep going. So, And I think, obviously, like, like you said offline to me, they have a spot planned. And that's why it's going to be exciting. Okay. Also sticking with SmackDown here, 
Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella will have a mixed tag team match with The Miz and Maurice. Um, what did you think about the end of SmackDown on Tuesday featuring Brie and Maurice, arguably the two worst women's wrestlers that are on the main roster in the main event? Granted, they only fought for like 30 seconds of the actual match. Um, what did you think of that being, again, the featured storyline on SmackDown over the WWE title? Uh, I think it, it, it was a little bit too much this week. I, I didn't love the the closing sequence, and I mainly didn't like it because it it sort of it felt never ending. Like you know, yeah. one attack from behind, but then the other one gets a run. Then they switch back. It was like a lot of ebbs and flows in a post match brawl that didn't necessarily make a ton of sense. Uh, Breeze now, like we talked about last week, wrestling on both shows with no real explanation. I like the original premise of this match. I just think they didn't have anything this week. So they forced, they tried to force a, a you know, round hole square peg situation. It it did downgrade my interest to a certain degree. I still think though they can, they can make this match fun and do what it's supposed to do, which is be a bridge to a future giant Brian Miz payoff, probably at mania. If this is some in between that gets us there. Uh, what I'm looking for though is a story development. So Miz beat Brian at SummerSlam by straight up cheating using his wife. What do they have for us this time? to continue the story. What, you know, somebody going to get hurt and that's going to, you know, put them out of action for a while in, in storyline. I want to see what they have here. I'm, I'm interested. Uh, I'm not overly crazy excited in terms of who wins. I mean, you, Brian could win and then get injured afterwards for all we like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really matter in a way who wins. It's about the story in this case. It doesn't matter who wins and it hundred percent is about the story. They already have a rematch at super showdown. Miz versus Daniel Bryan. The winner becomes, the winner becomes the number one contender for the WWE title. So because of that, so there's actually, there is something at stake at Super Showdown, which is very interesting. So for me, I really do believe, and I hate to give WWE credit when it may be undeserved at least yet. I think when Daniel Bryan was on that podcast or radio show and laughed at the notion that WWE can book long-term, I think they laughed right back at him, or at least Road Dog did, and decided to book long-term. I legitimately believe the Miz is going to win that number one contendership. And if Samoa Joe doesn't beat AJ, which is what I want desperately to happen, I think the Miz could beat AJ, win the WWE title, and we could potentially see Daniel Bryan versus the Miz for the WWE title at WrestleMania. And if that oh, all happens man. over the course of a calendar year, what are we? what is left to criticize oh, regarding Daniel Bryan's God. return? Oh, man, I'm fired up for this. Not only for the payoff of Brian Miz with the championship at WrestleMania, yep. and it shows that it they would care about it that much. It wouldn't be your, your you know, halfway through main event. It would be something they would care about. But right. you add in, if we can have an AJ Miz feud on the way yep. there, then Adam, this is the bottle of optimism uh, that, I, that I really need to start drinking. Because... And and I know it's SmackDown, which has been good, and Raw still sucks the damn horn, and it does. Yeah. But, oh, man, I know I'm sore, and everybody can't get over that. I can't get over that I'm sore. But, man, this will this will heal those bed sores. This and also, potentially, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe on the way. And you could actually flip it. If you wanted Daniel Bryan to win the title, you could have Bryan win, fight against heel Joe, have AJ Miz on the undercard, so there, those, the combination of those four make for really interesting, great promos, great matches. Those are the four top superstars on SmackDown, and it actually feels like they're treating them that way. And the thing that cannot be said for Raw. That's why I'm excited. In terms of who wins the match, what you, what you said is 100% true. It really doesn't matter. I think the out that they have is for Brie to beat Maurice. 
So I, I would, I guess I would lean Daniel Bryan, but I would love to see Miz just keep winning and keep winning and yeah. keep putting Daniel Bryan down. I like that storyline better, way but to do it. and by the way, I think that I think that's an out. Though you named all the potential scenarios. How about a scenario of AJ versus Daniel Bryan, but both of those heels trying to screw yeah. the other one? I mean, there's a lot of fun ways. Fatal four way. Also, I mean, there's a lot of things they could oh, do. Man, look, I might be back. Maybe I just have to stop watching Raw. Maybe that's the I've best told way you this. I've told you this. Raw is the issue. Maybe I need to take over the SmackDown recap and just stop watching Raw, and then I'll go, hey, BC's going to check out now to close the show. Here's Adam Silverstein with your weekly Raw recap. <laughs> well, look, you have this, your schedule is difficult on Tuesday night, so if you want to make that switch, uh, now we're talking business here, but we can make that switch. Okay, let's move on, though. we got a lot more Hell in a Cell to hit. Raw Tag Team Championship, Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre defending against Intercontinental Champion Seth Rollins, and Dean Ambrose from The Shield. Uh, before I, we get into talking about the match, you do have a bonus DM slide here, so let me get to that first. Okay. I thought you were reaching for it. Right? I was, and I thought you were going into it. Whatever. Got our, you know I like to talk. I, I almost talked over it. That's true. So from Brian Owens at Owens11B, he says BC is Corey Graves never going to bring up the fact that Renee Young should have inside info as to the state of what The Shield is thinking. They've brought it up before think it would be right in his wheelhouse to bring it up during the broadcast. Yeah, this is a fail for WWE because everybody is. watching is saying Renee's married to Ambrose. Two weeks ago, he got beat down on the announce table in front of her. No mention whatsoever. You can't do this because they correctly brought her into the storyline at the end of 2016 when Ambrose was feuding with The Miz and it worked out great. She slapped The Miz. The Miz got attacked. Samoa Joe the took him out. Samoa Joe's mentioned it. So to now act like we're going to put that aside and just focus on that Renee is a woman and we're elevating her ahead of evolution. Look, that's where it gets me mad. That's, that's where it does. This makes no sense. It's not enough to make me pee all over it, but it, 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 it wow, a lot of fluids in this, to this week's show. This is disgusting. It's not enough to get me that angry, but what the heck are you doing? So first of all, I got to give a pat on the back to Samoa Joe, who when he congratulated Renee Young on getting the raw job, the, the announced job said on Twitter, you know, you can thank me for getting this opportunity. You obviously needed a steady stream of income after what I did to your husband. So he continued the storyline despite being on a different show. It was only social media. Joe is a Joe national is treasure. Joe's amazing. He is great. Um, yeah. Brian Owens is right here. Like even when I think she was on commentary when the shield returned and when Ambrose returned, she was before the night before SummerSlam. So if that was the case, Shouldn't Corey have said, Renee, that's Dean. Did you know he was going to be here? I had no idea. He must have flown in separate. Like, or can you give us some insight info at his mindset? Like, you know yeah, what? Or how's, makes... how's his recovery going? Is he yeah. fully back? It's not. If you're going to make it an on-air thing that you know they're together, then you have to. It'd be like Brie Bella being only on Raw exactly. and never having Daniel Bryan's back on and SmackDown. It's not like though... it downgrades her. It's we have other married people on the show. Like it's, it is what it is. There's a lot of couples out By the there. Way, I, I, was just, I was just going to say that there has to be more legit WWE marriages on screen and off than ever before. Oh yeah. There's a lot that people don't even know about like in NXT and stuff. Like there's a lot of cross pollination, which makes sense though, by the way, cause I'm sure it's like high school there and you're, you only, it's like working at a restaurant where you only hang out with the people you work with. Cause you work such damn bad hours and that yeah. That's true, but even in the past, when like wrestlers' wives or wrestlers' husbands got brought in, it was generally like people who weren't wrestlers. Like Mark Merrow brought in Sable, who was just his wife. Uh, Steve Austin brought in Deborah, who was his wife. 
Um, There's a theme here that Vince probably loves. Blonde, yes, I know, yeah. I know. But 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 my point is is that it happened a lot that way. Or people who got married from being in WWE, they either kept it. Or, uh, what's what's Goldust's uh, wife again? Ex-wife Terry. Rumbles. Terry. Yeah. What was her name? Uh, she was what Alexandra something on WCW when she was doing the Dana oh. Brooke thing. And then no, on she... WWE when when with Goldust when he when she got brought in to manage. Her. Oh yeah, I'm sure half of our audience are like, you guys are idiots. But I uh, know. What the hell? Uh, uh, what the hell? It's uh, Marlena. Marlena. Yeah, one, two, three, Marlena. You know, I mean, yeah. Okay. So point is, but those were all like that type of situation. Now there's wrestlers and wrestlers, and there's a ton of them. It's very strange. More than ever before. Uh, I forgot what we were. Oh, we're talking about the Raw Tag Team Championship. Sorry, I'm just checking out Marlena's images here. This is the show's going downhill quick. All right, hey, let's the, move on. Some let's of those, move. some of those WWE, WWF magazine images in the 1990s. It got me through an interesting time in my life. Okay, uh, Raw Tag Team Championship. Who do you think's winning this match? They have to be retained. All right, here's right? here's my take on this. Okay, we can't really talk about this match without talking about what happened on Raw this week. And why did I say halfway sure. through Raw I was upset? Because it sucked in the beginning. So here's the deal. Am I excited about this match? Oh, yeah. When it got booked on the show, I was like, okay, this is star power. This matters. I like the fact that they brought Stephanie McMahon into it to a certain degree that she booked it. But the whole police crap has got to stop. Raw opening with Braun and these two heels and half the heel locker room around the ring. It's got to stop. Raw and Zambros running in and are they going to get arrested again? Like, it's stupid, guys. It's really stupid. Everybody, I don't see how anybody can watch that. To watch Dean and Seth bring in a sheriff and use him to blackmail Baron Corbin, like it's an insult to our intelligence. They don't need this, so just move on with that. Am I allowed? Can I separate that from how excited yeah. I am for this match? I guess storyline yeah. versus match, absolutely. Yeah, this match is going to be really good, and I think the heels should retain because heel stables need a lot of belts to be legitimate and titles and championships and straps and yapapai straps. And yeah, let's let the heels win, and this match is going to be fantastic. So there's not they're not a stable because there's only three of them. So let's get that straight. Uh, you're 100 percent right though in your prediction. The heels have to retain. Otherwise, the Shield has every major title on Raw. And while I like that for a stable, for a group of three, it's just too much. Um, it so works that, better for heels. For you know, if, oh, it's if way better. Evolution heels, and yeah. the Four Horsemen. It makes sense. Evolution, a stable of four people. Uh, it was perfect. That's exact. And Four Horsemen. That's perfect. Exactly. 100 percent right. Um, what I do like about this match, in addition to the match possibly stealing the show, it may be the best match on the car on the entire card. They, in two weeks, have completely elevated the Raw Tag Team titles from being the worst title on the major two main programs into maybe the second best on Raw. And that's with Rousey being women's champion. This, these titles all of a sudden really, really matter. You so put them on people who matter? They matter. That's that's easy. It's just like what WWE did with the US and IC titles when they put them on uh, Daniel Bryan and John Cena. All of a sudden, they mattered again. So really good. This match is going to be great. The angle absolutely sucks. And we'll talk about that even more in the main event. But did you catch the Easter egg? Did you see the nameplate of the sheriff when he was talking to Dean Ambrose? I did not. Ambrose comma G. They were playing into that. It was a family member. So that's why he wouldn't arrest them. And that's why... Seth was able to talk to Corbin ah, and so on and so forth. All right. Hey, if WWE's so, smarter than me, then I may have to begrudgingly now, apologize here. They get five, oh, whoa, whoa, Vince. All right, all right, all right. They get 5% credit. The angle still sucks, but I just wanted to let you know that. Okay. Uh, Raw Women's Championship, since we just spoke about it. Ronda Rousey coming in as champion, defending against Alexa Bliss. And I actually like the angle that they're playing on TV, which Ronda got her ribs injured during that match on Monday night. 
So now there's some thought that, oh, she might actually lose to Alexa Bliss yeah. because she's the one injured. You know what, what my problem is? She snapped her arm like four weeks ago. Bliss wore a sling for one week and is totally healthy again. <laughs> Give me a break. Go ahead. That's a fair point. Uh, I, I almost want to hate this because – I don't like the way they're packaging Ronda right now. We talked about it before with the gloves and the extra paint and the weird hair. Like, I almost think they're doing her a disservice the way they're presenting her. I've said that before about Asuka to a certain degree, too, although I like the colors. I just don't like her in lingerie for no reason. You know what I mean? But, like, I just think, I don't know. There's something about Ronda's presentation that makes me hesitant. And then they have a segment like they had this week on Raw. And I really like the psychology. I love what Bliss is trying to do to get in her head with the armbar. I love a lot of this. I could do with less Alicia Fox and Mickey James being involved, though I know that they need to be there as henchmen to make Bliss beating her believable. But her coming in and doing that kick to the ribs when Ronda was celebrating was just perfect. So the key question here is what happens in this match? Um, you'd seem like Ronda retains. Yeah, you'd seem like Come that's on. the the no brainer. Give me four hot minutes. Let's move on type of deal. But yeah, yeah, Ronda Ronda's got to retain. Ronda's There's gotta retain. no scenario in which. Outside of Nia Jax coming back and knocking the referee out and having Alexa Bliss's back, Samoa dropping Ooh, Samoan dropping her. What? That's good booking. Well, I'm saying outside of that happening, there's no legitimate way that you can have Rousey lose to Alexa Bliss. You just that's can't. actually good booking depending on where they want to go from here. Because, I mean, oh. do they want to go into a Survivor Series where Rousey hooks up with her horseman and – and be you know faces off against the other horsemen, which is kind well, of well. The horsemen aren't getting along that. That's oh, what I'm her saying. I'm sorry. It's kind of complicated because the original four horsemen are not getting yeah. along right now, and Rousey's a face while her one of her horsemen teammate is a heel. So it's all interesting. I don't know. Yeah, probably bet on Rousey, but that scenario you just nailed. Nia's not yeah. been around for a while. It's not all. Here's the here's the thing. They're making her look like Mantar, <laughs> like with like that eyeliner. Yeah, it's bad. And the, the, Dude, it's bad. Where she should be looking. You know who doesn't wear makeup? Brock Lesnar. Yes. Brock Lesnar comes in, kicks ass, leaves. That's the gimmick. Rousey is the female equivalent of that, except she actually wants to be on TV every week. What What the hell are they doing with her? I, the hair I don't like because sometimes it's worse and other times it's fine. Whatever. The hair I don't care about. Stop with the stupid makeup and stop making her look occasionally weak. Even when heels got the better of Steve Austin, he didn't look weak. It's just like they got one up on him. It makes Ronda look weak occasionally when a single kick, even though her ribs were injured earlier in the match, a single kick from Alexa has her crumbled over and almost near tears because it hurt her. You got to present her stronger. I understand the other women on Raw, it's, they don't live up to her really. But you know who does? Sasha Banks. You know who does on SmackDown? Charlotte and Becky and Asuka. And if you got to put her in feuds with people that matter, not like, Alexa Bliss and Alicia Fox, it doesn't work. Put her in a feud with Mickey James. Let Mickey get a real title match. Put no, Natalia no, we're in done there with Mickey. Don't, don't speak like that. No, uh, but she's a real legendary superstar who can hold her own. Yeah, Let Natalia worse, do the same thing. Hey, is, get is, me is away from get, tiny can, women. Is Natalia going to turn on her? Not this week. Not this week. Not this week, but hopefully hopefully right. soon. Hopefully before hey, we got another women's championship match, and it's the SmackDown, the blue brand. Adam, I'm freaking fired up about Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. They've done great with this. You know, my, we don't have time for the field spot this week. is a weird loaded show. My field spot of the week, Becky coming out of the crowd. That was perfect. By the way, she was smoking hot. I don't even know if we can say that on the show anymore. I'm with the, with where we are in 2018, but I'm giving her a compliment. She was smoking hot when she came out of that crowd. This 
was awesome. This pairs with that dueling promos from last week on the satellite thing. This pairs, this pairs with they've taken anything with that heel turn that people didn't like, and they've repaired it at them. This is great. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying a beautiful woman, woman is beautiful, and she is. Um, I kind of disagree a little bit. Like, I like the booking for a heel. But Becky Lynch isn't a heel. Yeah, and is. I what thought do you mean they... she's not a heel? She's a heel. She's being booked like a heel, but the last so So you're not gonna four... you're not gonna abandon it after three weeks. They're going for something here. They it's kind working. of but they kind of did. They kind of the last two weeks before this week made her a badass who had legitimate reasoning. Now she's hiding in the crowd and attacking Charlotte and wearing all black to hide herself. Right. I'm okay with it, and it was good television. And it was entertaining, but they're going to, if she wins the title, man, they're going to cheer her and they're going to cheer her all night That's long fine, during that gonna match. They're going to cheer her as a heel, which is what's going to happen. She, there's, there are heels that get cheered all the time. They're it's forcing fine. something that they, they could have made her into a badass face and made Charlotte the heel being mad that she was becoming a badass face. And instead they're trying to make Charlotte a baby face and make Becky a true heel. And it doesn't work. I would like more gray arrow. No, no. And they're not providing enough. The, the difference is it's working. It's working great. Becky's living up to it great. I have a feeling this match could be fantastic because this is what we wanted. You know what we wanted? It is. To it take is. two of the four horsewomen, put them together yes. in a match that matters, and let them yes. wrestle. You know why I love that this is not in a cage? Because we're going to get an actual grudge wrestling match between two women who can wrestle. I think Becky's about to do the best stuff of her damn career. I am fired up for this. Hey, women, give me 25 hot minutes. Let's have a classic match right here. And I think... You ride the hot hand. You put the belt on Becky straight fire because I've said it before. They're trying to get Charlotte as many title defenses so she could be the one that breaks her dad's record, not John Cena. Let's do this. Becky wins. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Well, those are kind of like Charlotte. Those She's winning so many titles so quickly. She might beat her dad by the time she's 34, let alone. I don't even know how old she is. She'll break the alone... record by beating Simone Johnson. Thank you. There you go. Point, the point you're making is a good one, though. This match should be incredible, and this is exactly what we want. We want the four horsewomen fighting each other and fighting the best possible women on these rosters. We want Asuka and Sasha Banks and Bailey and Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair in matches that matter. This is a match that matters. It features two of them. It should be great. I do hope they change the titles for the title, but I would understand if they don't and prolong this even further. I'm down for it. Okay. Those are the two women's main events. Let's talk the two men's main events. WWE Championship. We have AJ Styles defending against Samoa Joe and Brian. We want to talk about WWE's poor booking, nonsensical booking. That is not the case here. This is one of the best booked feuds that WWE has put, in to get, put together, in a, especially in a short period of time, in a long while. Yeah, you know, my, my, my mental notes in my head say that this is – you know, on its way to becoming a top contender for feud of the year. This is great. Yeah. And it's great for two reasons, which is why I'm fired up the SummerSlam match before it ended abruptly. And, and I get the booking. Why it did was great. It was physical yeah. and violent and it had energy and electricity and it was great. So now if we get a chance to do that longer at a higher level, potentially. And then the flip side is, that even if the storyline wasn't great, I still would have been fired up for the match, yet the storyline has been amazing. The whole uh, 
story, the the child's book fairy, uh, you know, almost uh, that that children's book, children's yeah. book that Samoa Joe read this week. I thought it was going to be lame, and it was great. <laughs> it Dude, wasn't. Everything they're touching is gold. You, this is why SmackDown does innovation. They do new things. The empty arena promo with AJ. Look, that's not AJ's strongest suit to a deliver a promo or b do a real passionate mean one. And I exited that going. I loved it. I loved it. It was different. I got the real raw motion of what this man is going through. They told me a story. They put my hand in there and they messed with it and they got me excited. This is awesome. This feud rules. I kind of need Samoa Joe to win the title here. Which I, don't, calling... which I don't really agree with because I want AJ to break the long I want AJ to be like the guy. I want this to be AJ's era. But if it goes to Joe, I'm not going to be mad. I've been calling for Joe to win the title now. Have they fought once or twice? Just once? Once. Yeah, just once. I wanted him to win the title at SummerSlam. I really want him to win the title now. Here's the truth. Samoa Joe is the best thing going in the main event for WWE. He's a great wrestler. He's the best talker they have. And AJ Styles has had the title long enough and beaten enough different people that it's time to put it on someone else. It just is. Now, if they have him beat Joe and vanquish Joe... This guy has now gone up against Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns and lost, and he'll have gone up against AJ Styles and lost. That's fair. And you really risk turning him into, like, Reigns a little bit, you know, when he wasn't champion, um, and he just kept losing, like, without anything else really there being there for him because they thought it was good booking. And you risk him being Finn Balor a little bit. The guy talks a big game, although Finn doesn't really talk, but, you know, is put in the position and given that opportunity and never comes through. He has to come through. That's, so, a, that's a good argument. You just, you... I think... You may have swayed me right there. I think you really have to have Samoa Joe win, even if Styles wins it back soon, if he wins it back at Super Showdown, or if you have Styles win here and you have Joe win at Super Showdown, I wouldn't love it because I'd rather it be Eastern time, like live, you know, on a big pay-per-view. Um, but he has to win it at one of these two opportunities. They are telling a great story. It's way better than the main event of Raw right now. We know this. And they got to pay it off with a guy who is fully capable of being a great WWE champion and carrying the title, it looking good on him, being able to speak eloquently and deliver really good promos that are not canned and scripted. Samoa Joe would be a great WWE champion. He really would. And I really hope he gets it. I'm wondering, though, like, this is such a mature feud and it's been so good. Or, like, is he going to have nude pictures of Wendy soon? Like, we're going into, like, all different levels where this has been great. I'm... Well, that's the thing. Like, if Joe wins, it should break AJ's spirit. Yeah. So it, it, it gives you a character development also. There's every reason to put it on. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. We close with a really big match. I'm going to give him credit. We thought coming out of SummerSlam, you know, we thought Lesnar was going to lose. We, we pretty much knew we were going into a range Strowman feud. A lot of ups and downs to get here, Adam. But they got me to care about this match through those ups and downs. When before SummerSlam... I, I told, I said, look, we're going to go into this feud and I'm not going to care because we just saw it. But with the combination of the shield, and believe me, we had a lot of ups and downs. But the way they closed Raw this week wasn't anything too complicated. It was a cool spot through the stage floor. It's another that you're going to add to the, the highlight reel of these two guys for years to come. When you look back with the ambulances and all that craziness. It was a good moment. It was the perfect go-home moment. And then you insert Mick Foley, a special guest referee, Universal Championship, Hell in a Cell, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman. 
This has all the makings. I don't know if it'll live up to it, but Adam, this has all the makings to be a special match with real psychology, with real crazy big physical spots. And I don't know who said it on the show, whether it was you or Nick, but at one point in the last year, we had a talk of like, who's going to be the defining feud of each guy when we look back. And somebody said, hey, it might, I wonder if it's going to be Strowman for Reigns. And I was like, no, that's crazy. Reigns and Strowman might be building something that could become, you know, for all we know, each other's money feud for the rest of their lives. And if you look at it from that guise with a lot of optimism, this could be a really crazy match. I'm back in, Adam, and I hate the cops and all that other crap that's been going on and all the there's no reason Braun Strowman should need help from this many people. I hate all that. I typically hate Hell in a Cell matches, too, in terms of my expectations. I'm expecting big here. I'm expecting to be entertained. I'm not expecting Japan, but I'm expecting a, uh, you know, $50 stake here. I don't think it was me who said that, but even if it was, I, I don't agree. Um, the feud really is Roman Rollins. Like, that has an opportunity. This should big be. Big versus small. They were, in a, yeah. they were in a team together, so on and so forth. This, to me... Like, I'm okay if Braun becomes universal champion at some point in his career, but they have taken a guy who had the opportunity to develop into the guy, and they're holding him down, obviously, in favor of Reigns, and they have reasons for doing that, business reasons. But Braun, to me now, is really nothing more than Big Show. And that's not a negative, because Big Show held the World Heavyweight Championship, not the WWE title, but he held the World Heavyweight Championship and was in main events all the time and was always in title matches and was always featured. But just like him, Braun goes face, heel, face, flips back and forth depending on the show, let alone, you know, for a month at a time. Like, he, you know, you just, you just saw it. You know, he was face for months and they needed a heel because they don't have any heels on Raw. So now he's heel again against Reigns. They, were team, they teamed up before that, like a couple months ago, right? So... I am excited for the match because I do think there's going to be a moment. And I think having Mick Foley as a special guest referee provides that. I could see Braun, you know, power slamming Mick Foley, you know, maybe because he doesn't like a count or Foley gets involved in something. Who the hell knows? But ultimately, any result other than Roman winning is bad because just like Roman needed to finally beat Brock Lesnar, he can't win the title and give it up a month later. Yes, like, what can. sense does that make? It Well, it doesn't, but it didn't make a lot of sense the road that we took to get her anyway. It didn't make a lot of sense that Vince never pulled the trigger on Roman beating Brock clean until the way in which he did it, which he kind of tricked us with it, as you saw. So with, he pulls the, the trigger and then ruin not ruins, but craps on the guy that he just finally got over, quote unquote. Dude, there's so much BS in the build to this. Like, I can't even believe I just gave you a speech that I'm really excited about this match. Truthfully, I am, and I mean that. But look at the BS we've gotten through with the Braun winning the briefcase and then giving up the briefcase and being like, no, I'm a heel, but I respect a face move. Right? Yeah, I can do this face. Like, it's so stupid. So, yes, taking it on and off reigns that quickly. I get what you're saying, but nobody deserves a title right now more than Braun Strowman. And the fact that they have built this pseudo stable with with uh, the the Drew and Dolph, we just said heel factions are so much better when they have a lot of titles and they prove dominance. 
It's time. This is going to be a heel pay-per-view. Strowman's going to beat Reigns, and Foley's going to play a big part in it because they put in that psychology drop this past week on Raw that Foley and Elias did it actually really well, saying I was in the crowd in Pittsburgh when you went through that table, and you know, you're a broken man, you're a shell of a man. I actually really enjoyed that. A little bit, little bit sloppy how they delivered all that, but combine that with that video package they did earlier, they're setting the stage for something. Am I giving them too much credit? Maybe, but they're setting the stage something where Foley's going to play a part, and this is the time for the DM bonus slide. From Rob Lopez, great dude, by the way, big time follow, protector and follower of the show at R0BATO, big fan of Rob, says, is Mick Foley being the guest referee for this match a possible setup for Rock versus Roman at 35? He says, Roman does something to Mick. Rock comes to make the save on Foley. Roman and Rock do a super personal, family-oriented beef for a few months. Rob? I love you, buddy. I just said maybe I'm giving WWE too much credit. You're giving WWE too, 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 too much credit. That's not going to happen. Would it be hot fire if The Rock came out friggin' on Sunday night at Hell in a Cell and somehow was a spin forward to Mania? Yes. That's not going to happen. But there's an early, there's an in-between that can happen. And that's Foley somehow not wanting Reigns to take too much punishment and playing a role in which his heart gets too heavy and he doesn't want to see Reigns go down the path he did and Strowman wins and the heels rule. That will make it all make sense for me. I want Strowman to matter more than I want what happened with Reigns and Lesnar to make sense. So what Rob said, it's not happening. Uh, and if the Rock, if that was going to happen, Rock would address it like at a later date on a Raw because they'd want to promote Rock being on Raw or something like that. Um, the, the real booking if you actually wanted to book the damn territory, as we sometimes do on this show, is having Mick Foley turn heel and helping Braun win and explains it just like he was overlooked by The Rock during his run at the top of WWE. That's what's happening to the roster now. Braun, Dolph, Drew, Kevin Owens, all those guys. Roman is the favorite son, just like The Rock was, and Mick sees that happening and is going to prevent that from happening by helping Braun Strowman win. So. That is the booking you do if you want Mick Foley to play a role where it's a long-term storyline or, you know, it moves something forward. Other than that, really having Foley in this match more than anything seems like a nostalgia play to me. It just does. And I don't know if he will end up playing a role other than maybe getting knocked out, you know, taking a bump of some type that would lead to Baron Corbin running in as a referee or... Something like that happening. I don't necessarily think he turns or decides something, helps one person or the other, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So I'm excited for the match. I'm not excited for it as the main event of the show, which isn't really Roman Reigns' fault. It's more Braun Strowman's fault because I'm not buying into the character. He's a cartoon to me. I don't care about him like I used to, and that's WWE's fault for doing that. Um I think Roman retains. I just think it would be silly to take the title off of him. What do you think? You got to justify what you've been doing. You have will have made an abject joke of that money in the bank briefcase, and will have wasted, uh, you know, a bunch of our months. And... They people have lost before when they've cashed it in as planned. No, I get that, but the, the they've already pseudo wasted it by scheduling him to cash it in for a guy who was already more yes. deserving of a title shot than anybody else. So. If they follow through and Reigns wins, like it's it's just BS, and I would expect the crowd to boo, and I would almost cheer for them to do it. Like it's just crap. You have to make the heels strong now, especially since after this pay per view outside of Australia, you're 
kind of booking towards Survivor Series, and you'd think they're already setting the stage for these super teams, the Shield on one side, the these guys on the other, add some other people with them, that I think you put the heat on the heels, and they win but, by cheating, and that's what it is. But that's the question. So moving forward from here, we have Super Showdown, which they are booking in storyline in October, so we're not getting a men's pay-per-view otherwise. I mean, a pay-per-view including the, the titles basically being on the line, at least for Raw. It was supposed to be in TLC o- in October. That got moved. That's gone. So, so you have this. None of the Raw men's titles will be on the line on, the, on that show. Then you have Survivor Series in November, which last year they built up in a major way as being the only time during the year that Raw and SmackDown performers go head-to-head. So if that holds true, you're not going to see the Universal Champion or maybe the Intercontinental Champion or the Tag Team Champions be in a title match at a pay-per-view until December. This is the last opportunity for that unless they completely throw Survivor Series out of the window and make it Raw versus Raw and SmackDown versus SmackDown and honestly ruin a pay-per-view last year that was hot fire because they didn't do that. And it was way better than it had any right being last year, right? I think you agree. So that is the question. What are the plans for Survivor Series? That will determine what the results are at this show, at Hell in a Cell. Interesting. Interesting. Do you agree? Well, um, dude, it's really hard to get ahead of their their mindset. Uh, like, who knows if it's even going to be Raw versus SmackDown? Maybe they'll do one Raw versus SmackDown. Like, we have no idea where they're going with this. I mean, look that the, that under Thunderdown undercard just puts a real wrinkle in the potential on that because that's what matters more. But I got to see Braun with this belt, or I'm or I'm out. I'm Sorry. out on Monday nights. I'm out. I'm out. All right. Speaking of the show, we are out except for I love the people and the people love sticking by this show, even when they're angry at me, so angry for telling the truth and they can't handle it. And I got to come back with, I'll beat his ass so sore. It's like he did a prison tour. Wow. That was the wrong button. John Cena. I'm a thugonomics. John Cena. I hit the wrong button. I'm dropping a totally awful, inappropriate thing. Might as well move on. Uh, I love the people so much that I do love to hear from them. So I want to close with a couple more DMS. Kentucky long rifle. What is that? An email? Our good friend, yeah, it is. Our good friend Bill Zimmerman at Bill Z Hustle sent me a really nice soliloquy here and a good question. Hey, BC, I'm drunk off seeing wrestling done right after a Barn Burner NXT house show in Pittsburgh last night and wanted to share some reflection on the additional awesomeness that was all in. Late to the party for a DM slide on that monumental event, but I wanted to call attention to the new dynamic brought on by Cody and the Bucks. Fans weren't just attending or buying the show to be entertained. I believe many men in as overt support for the guys and their families' entrepreneurial ambitions, and probably as a subversive act toward WWE. The digital age has allowed these guys to create better intimacy with fans, i.e. YouTube, Twitter, podcasts, that has elevated the relationship to something akin to supporting a friend who started their own business, rewarding their gumption and hustle. More than any time in the past, fans can feel like more of their cash is going directly to the artists, the creators, through these shows like All In, through Pro Wrestling Store, uh, Pro Wrestling Tees, and Patreon, etc. All In wouldn't have been such a success if fans didn't feel acknowledgement and affection from the wrestlers keep bringing the hot fire with the ITC. Adam, hater of what all is good with the revolution. I think Bill just nailed something right there. False. Like a key part to ECW and even NXT success is the fans buying in, wanting to be a part of a movement and supporting every inch of it. Like they don't boo anything. They love every inch of it. But this this is next level. This is 
you can buy a t-shirt directly at Pro Wrestling Tees and help them. You can buy Young Bucks merch. You can specifically do things that puts dollars directly in their pocket and not through WWE. That is a big part of this of the really crazy success of the Elite and the YouTube show and now All In and the Revolution as a whole. They they won they've won the hearts of wrestling fans in a way that that that's really kind of unique to itself. Yeah, I mean, I think his slide, Bill's slide here, is 100% correct. There's nothing really to disagree with there. Um, I also agree, which you're not really kind of mentioning that he said, that a lot of it was, I don't want to use the word anti-WWE, but it was to show there is something else out there. This is an alternative, and this alternative is speaking to us versus telling us what we need to like. Right, like this, fig- this figured out the Cody and the Young Bucks and Kenny, and the Elite figured out what fans want. At least, again, a certain segment of fans, the male and some female, but tw- late twenties, thirty-year-old wrestling fan that grew up in the Attitude Era and isn't getting served that type of wrestling anymore is now getting a very PG, watered-down product from WWE. They're saying, "Hey, we're going to deliver this to you." in the truly least expensive in turn, because they're not putting on a TV show, right? They're producing it themselves way that we possibly can seeing that grow probably beyond their expectations. Again, being the elite started as a travel diary for the young bucks. So now, now it's basically a TV show with scripted all the time. Like it's fully scripted basically at this point. Right? So that has now grown to such a level that they said, Hey, we could probably put on a show and maybe we'd sell a lot of seats. And then they do, and they sell 10,000 seats, but and they win a bet. But those seats sold not because people expected great wrestling. What Bill's trying to say is well, they, they sold because people want to support these guys on their mission. People yes, want to be a part of it. but they also expected a good show. True, but sight unseen, they didn't know who was going to be wrestling who. They, it's Correct. about the movement, and you got to give these guys credit for creating a, a, a new mindset in the face of WWE. And, like, like man, they, they just know how to cook steak. And that's what everything, everything he said is right, but let's not also get away from the fact that they're good marketers. Like if Rob Van Dam was in the same situation 15 years ago, just knowing him and, and I'm just using him as one example, he's not putting together an internet TV show and maybe he has t-shirts at pro wrestling tees, but he's not going through this whole thing that these very smart, capable men are doing. So it took the right people with the right marketing mind and the right ability, either in their case as wrestlers, in Cody's case as a promoter, as a someone who can cut promos, it took the mix of that all happening simultaneously for this to blossom. It's not like people are doing the same thing for Joey Janela, let's say, where they like him and they support him and they'll go to his shows, but the groundswell for all wrestlers independent is not the same as it is for these specific guys. And that's the point I tried to make. On last week's I show. think there's something to be learned from here, though. Obviously, we're comparing a mom and pop shop business of the Young Bucks and what they're doing and with the elite to something like a WWE, which is a corporate, you know, juggernaut. It's not the same landscape, but there's something to be learned about giving your customers what yes. they want. And yes. in turn, they will die hard support you and pay money to you and 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 cheer you whether it's good or not. Let's put it this way. There are some, just using journalism as an example, since that's the field that we're in, entertainment and journalism, separately, obviously. Uh, There are some people that have left major organizations 
ESPN, CBS, anywhere, and been able to start their websites and have fans pay them basically to, to read their websites, right? Using Patreon and other outlets as well. And many of them work. Many of them also do not. And they fail and they these people end up going back and getting jobs with different outlets. So it depends on the person, it depends on the quality of entertainment or information they provide. Some work, some don't. This is one that obviously works because these guys are the best of the best on the independent scene. That's why it's working. And let, let it not also be lost. They have a lot of support from Ring of Honor and NJPW. It's not like they're doing it in a vacuum without any help. That's the best of the best of the best of the best. All of right, the- all right, all right, Brock. Uh, we're going to close here. DM slide from Guy at V underscore Vargas. That's V-A-R-G-U-S. Hey, Adam, Guy says he heard shit on the pod three times last week. Hit him in the damn field spot. Similar to when Bailey told Sasha that she wasn't shit. PG-13 era for the ITC, he says, question mark. Well, I, I think it's fair to say that we learned that word in limited quantities is acceptable to still stay within our genre here. We're not a mature show, so you don't hear cursing. Although, man, there are, there have been some weeks, uh, especially the one where I flipped out when Nick wouldn't let me talk, where uh, shut the F up was just lucky that I said it that way. How as about opposed you guys to, shut the F up and let me talk for a minute, okay? As opposed to actually saying the word, and Brian knows that if we were in person, I would have used the regular word. So I'd love to have a mature show, but we're CBS Sports, and I think the show does just fine not being mature, uh, mature audience, I mean. Um, so explicit, I guess, is that, that's actually the word I was looking this for. This guy's asking PG-13, has he listened to the show? You want to blackball me? Well, at least I got a ball sack. If they lived at the sperm bank, they couldn't get their comeback. Whoa, what? I'm like, come on, that's 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 what we deal. Those are the dark arts that we that we deal in. <laughs> and he's certainly show. not listening to the boxing episodes if he thinks the show is uh yeah one of these not, days not bordering on PG thirteen slash whatever. One of these days that show will get shut down. Hey, great stuff this week. Hell in a Cell <laughs> on Sunday. Enjoy. I'm not fully out on Raw. I'm I'm, I'm teetering though. You can follow us at in this corner CBS at Silverstein Adam at B Campbell C B. S. Adam, it's time to say goodbye. Okay, you now say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now get out of here. Well, that's right a little now. rough, Randy. Right? Yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. He's not wrong about that. I'll be on a jet plane tomorrow morning heading to Triple G. Canelo, Adam, any thoughts for our listeners as we as we uh, go away here? Just make sure you're listening to that boxing episode if you like the sport. Honestly, very, very good episode of the show, as you should listen to every episode of the ITC. Follow us on Twitter at in this corner CBS at B Campbell CBS at Silverstein Adam. And we will have live coverage of Helen Hell in the Cell, Helen Us Cell on CBS Sports Sunday night. I will be running it because Brian can't get back from Las Vegas in time. Truthfully, he'll probably just be too hungover. Wow, brother. DTA. DTA, brother. Don't trust anybody. Right. We out.